Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's good? Hope everybody's doing good. Thank y'all for joining me for another version of King Vision, the Vision of a King. It's your boy Omar. Back at it. Thank y'all. Um, to those of you that have listened, um, thank you so far. We're supposed to have some people jump on today um, just to talk about uh, different things. But the, the, the main topics today uh, is black fashion, black interest, and black magic. Um, it's a few things under that umbrella that I want to touch on. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, I kind of, uh, I mean, I wanted to wait for the fashion tip uh, conversation for one of the people that was supposed to be joining. I got my homeboy, Randall, who uh, is a co-owner of a clothing line, uh, and then somebody who is um, fashion forward. Um, and so I wanted to get his take on it. Um, it's a situation where, you know, fashion kind of shifted pretty aggressively um, in the last well, for a while now, it's been shifted, but it it it, it just it just shifted. Um, it was it was a situation where, like I said before on here, everybody was kind of dressing away similar, but you still had your own little flair to it. Um, and so, it's a situation. Uh, it's a situation where, you know, it was something that you still had some. Um, individuality so um yeah it, 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 but now it's one of them you know one of them situations uh where it, everything's kind of like the same <laughs> everything the same uh everything and y'all got to excuse me i'm kind of multitasking texting um sending some <laughs> sending some stuff out but um yeah everything's the same you know it don't matter how old you are um, everybody low key dress alike, and then it's you know, and I think again I've said it on it before. You know, it's the same, you know, Harachis with some joggers and a thrasher hoodie, and then like a certain a certain hat. Um, it, and it's just crazy to see uh, that that's what's considered fashionable, because it's almost like if you're not dressing like everybody else. You're not considered fashionable, and then also you got a, probably more so than ever um, street brands that's kind of making a impact on the greater world of fashion, which is too dope because it's a situation where you know before some of these brands wouldn't even been allowed to be present um, at like fashion at a fashion week or um, in some of the the I guess what's considered more uh, top shelf. Uh, fashion uh, showcases, whether it was a show or some kind of um, televised thing, or even, you know, you had some natural situations where, like, a certain artist or athlete might have an affinity for a brand, and so they wear that brand, and um, it's a situation where they um, blow up the brand just because it's a situation, I mean, they're a well-known person, and so I'm pretty sure, like, if I got a clothing line and LeBron wear my hoodie, then people going to at least check for it. I mean, who knows? It depends on how how he pulled it off and if he pulled it off, whether or not it had a big impact. But um, 
you know, it's 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 a situation where, um, you know, he 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 would single handedly swap out the reality for that particular uh, brand and that name, and so now to see some of these urban brands and what's considered street brands, it's crazy to see them on that fashion tip. Um, you. What's going on, brother? Peace and blessings. What's good? What's good? What's good? Um, appreciate you jumping in. Hopefully, uh, Randall jump in in a second. Um, and uh, right. yeah, yeah. We trying to um. So t- today was the topic was pretty much black fashion, black interest, and black magic. And I was just pretty much starting off with the fashion, and I was trying to trying to get uh trying to get Randall's take on some of it and try to get an understanding of you know his opinion of the shifts because it's like one day fashion just shifted and right. everything everything just kind of shifted and um the deeper conversation I want to have is kind of like who makes the decisions who decides that this is cool and this is not cool and um you know well, but it just well, and then, but I definitely want to start with just the general shift where everything kind of became unisex. And I know uh, American Apparel, they're notorious for, I mean, they have a men and a women section, but if you go in there, everything's pretty uh, neutral. Um, and so I just want to know, like, even from your opinion, because you're, you know, we came from a place where, you know, you, everybody kind of had a similar swag and fashion sense, but then you ever, again, it was your, everybody had their own twist to it. You know, so to see a shift from that to literally you go outside and you can close your eyes and guess what people have on and open your eyes and you're pretty much going to see that that's what people have on. Um, yeah, and I think I think prior to our era, Omar, like, um, we're one of the first kind of eras, like, to really be more into the world of fashion as you have here than just, like, being fashionable. I feel like we there's a huge difference between the people that we idolize and the say, 50s, 60s, 70s, and early 80s, um, before they had access to some of these, um, even I, I want to say designer brands, but mom, like just regular brands like Champion and, you know, some shit you would find at Walmart, you got to remember like some of these stores and, 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 and venues were not available to the black community, black people, black men and women, boys and girls, um, like it is today. Um, for yeah. our era growing up that I found interesting was like, like when I, when I start hearing that whole like, Y'all getting this fashion from the prisons, from the prisons, from the prisons. It started really reiterating in my head, like, yo, like you're saying, like, who's making these decisions? Because I didn't put the baggy jeans in the store. And right. I can't even say that the rapper that um, um, I idolized put the baggy you know, jeans wherever he got them from or she got them from. Because remember, during our era, it wasn't just the men you know, and boys wearing baggy clothes. It was everybody, TLC, Aaliyah. MC right. Light, you know, it was a baggy clothes, you know, kind of generation. But, you know, once that kind of hooked on, I was just like, yo, like, I really need more, to be more cognizant of what clothes that I'm making decisions on and understand that just because decisions are limited doesn't mean they have to be, you know, eradicate my personal choice. Right. Well, and it's funny that you say that, too, because it's a situation now where, decisions are not limited at all. You have a million and one options and it's to a point where I know H and M's in hot water, but you know, 
they're the brand that's low-key known for, okay, we're going to have you look trendy and it's going to be dirt cheap. And we're going to take care of right. you. You're not, it's almost like the, we're going to make it, you're going to look like a million bucks and you're probably going to spend 30 or 40, you know? And so right. it was one of them situations where it's not so much like, so, so what I'm saying is the access is there for people to still put their own flair, still put their own, um, you know, twist on a certain style, but it's right. almost like there's no desire to do so. Like and pretty much yeah. until you see until you see that you know uh, Russell Westbrook he wear that hat that funky way or you know somebody do that haircut and then they do it and then it's popping but it's like it's almost like that piece oh. of people that does that that's creative naturally is gone because you know that we're a faux fearless people people laugh at how we riot people laugh at how we you know try to get people in trouble because the natural or you know human elements of failure and looking foolish and all those things that come with just regular life, we be trying to avoid those. So like you were saying, like H&M is really banked on. You want to look like the people in the magazines on Getty and, and all these other people that you see on, you know, the, the catwalk, but you don't, you don't have the money to spend. So here's some cheap clothes that will, will, once you put them on, be able to at least emulate it, but it's not exactly it. So um, we have people who are way less fearless about making their own clothes or wearing things that like, you you thought of this being hotep or shea butter if you wear clothes that have different patterns. You know what I'm saying? Like, so there's all these like, hey, here's the color wheel for the spring. Here's the color wheel for the fall. Let's all compete with the same clothes on to see right. who looks better. And that's right. that's a very interesting place to be in. It's not creative. It's not um, jaw dropping. It's not you know culture pushing. Well, and it's interesting that you say that too because uh, back when, um, like you said, when we were in college and we were kind of the guinea pig generation for this that's going on now because we were we were the low key we were the hype beast like we were the ones that kind of made it cool we were the ones that got all the jordans and then all the air max and all the everything and so it's one of them situations where like we kind of we kind of started the whole thing um and and i guess we just didn't know that it was going to go this far um right and and so to see people doing it, um, it's just an interesting time. And I, and I remember, you know, wanting that that thing. And I remember wanting that, you know, that particular shoe. But it was one of those things where, like, I remember to this day, I remember one of the uh, Kappas. I had bought a pair of Dunks, and one of the Kappas had them on the next day on the yard, and I did not want to wear them shoes ever again. Just because right. I just felt like, like, oh man, like, cause for me it was, I like dunks because they almost mass produced them in a way that you could have, you could have a pair that people ain't seen, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, 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 and because they're dunks and they're so, they're looked at as being so regular, people almost don't care. So you can kind of be fresh with it. So it was almost like sickening to see somebody with that pair of shoes, you know, where now it's almost like, again, uh, they're either going to be Vans, Dunks. Uh, Jordans or Harachis, like uh, or, or phone positives. Do you, know you know how hard it, do you know how hard it broke my heart whenever, like, I remember, man, I was pressing the culture a little bit in my high school by wearing some Vans, because the Vans at that time were mainly just like the checkerboard joints. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. That was what was popping. I remember, like, I, I was one of the first people to be like, you know what? You know these Vans and Chucks are running for thirty, thirty-five, forty, and these Air Force Ones are running for seventy-five, but I'm not getting no support. I ain't getting no like. Like, my feet started getting, I'm not getting bad, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I started realizing, like, I need, like, 
Vans don't have the most support, but it's different than the Air Forces. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right. Vans don't have any like, support. Right, and I was like, I'm trying to, you know, I was a basketball player in high school, but I got at that time when I changed that style, I got I got kind of tired of like, bro, I don't be running in the games like I used to. You know what I'm saying? I don't really just go to the court and just. So what I need these Air Forces and these other athletic shoes for, like, I need some casual shoes. Right. So just seeing right. how that culture is now, like, bro, everybody wear Vans, bro. Like, everybody, like, and it's a part of, like, everybody's trying to assume the coolest part of everybody's style. So everybody can be right. a cool emo person. Everybody can be a cool rocker. Everybody can be a cool skater boy. Everybody can, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going for the kind of male profile. Right, but, right. Like, you can literally buy a style right now of, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just wild in that sense. Like, you don't have to be that person. Like, you don't have to be a skateboarder to go to H&M or go to a, a American Eagle, Abercrombie & Fitch, and buy the skateboarder uniform according to corporations. Right, right. And I remember, too, when all the skateboarder dudes were so pissed. Like, we were, because we, you know, we were decked out with the wallet chains and their Guns N' Roses tees. Right. And, like, we, we right. did the whole nine. And like the skateboard guys and the rock star guys are looking at us like, and see what these guys didn't know is like, my dad he listened to some rap, but he pretty much listened to rock and roll. So right. it was one of them situations where I was somewhat familiar with the bands and stuff. So like they'd be sitting there like, oh, what's your favorite Guns N' Roses song? And then I'm shooting it out to them like, yeah, you know, this was my favorite Guns N' Roses or Aerosmith or whoever song. And they would be like, wow. oh, okay, so it's, right. you know, okay. so, another topic. <laughs> Right, right, right. And then also, too, once you add the piece of, you know, we were those, uh, our generation is kind of that group that went to college um, and, and, like, we're first-generation college students, so it's almost like we got the two sides of the world. You know, we got our neighborhoods and our, and everything that's associated with it, good and bad, and then we get thrown into this environment where we're kind of an anomaly. It's not a whole lot of us. Um right that with the mindset and the mind state and the circumstances at home, you know, so it kind of changes everything. Um, and it's one of them situations. Go ahead. I'm literally dealing with the pressures of that right now in the place that I am. Like it's not many people like us who get a master's degree in doctor, doctor is oh, like with the same right. perspective, the same gamut of experience and literally understand that you're engaging with people who don't have anywhere with all of the personal struggles that you have or the personal pressures that you have. Right. And that counts. That counts. Right. I'm explaining that to students, right? You and where you want to go, you, you know, it's some it's some things that you're gonna need to know being in them spaces, right. you know. And you and you're just too young to know it right now, but it's for sure things that uh, you you're gonna need to be made aware of before you get to talking in front of people because you're too green and you don't really know what what this is. Man. Um, and it's just like ah, it really made me kind of, I don't know, it just made me really think about kind of how everything shifted, and now you got this, like, things are kind of sort of trying to swing back to the 90s kind of vibe, or I would even say 80s kind of vibe, where it was messages in the clothes, too, and so there's images and and things that's positive, and people almost take ownership of it. But Oh, that's never been a a case that was not, that's never not been the case. Like, we need to stop getting an idea that fashion is something that is Sometimes, you know, ground pushing and sending these messages and sometimes it's just clothes that people put on. We got to make a decision within ourselves. What is it really going to be? Because whenever it's fitting one narrative or, or one idea of how the world is supposed to be, oh, these just clothes let people express themselves. And then, like, 
there was never like I'm a black man, so there was never something I could wear that could not send a message to the outside world. You know, you see what I'm saying? Right. Like everything right. that I put on, how I wear my hair is, is scrutinized and is under a microscope. So when people say, you know, when people on the outside say that the clothes are now getting the message again, it's like, well, my my clothes always had a message. It had a message about killing me. Had a message about, oh, you can hire me. Had a message about, oh, he's a safe one versus he's not a safe one. Grab my purse. So it's interesting how you know everybody else thinks their fashion now has to make a statement, but there's some people in this world who fashion always make a statement. That's very true. That's very true. And it's, it's I mean, and I guess too, like you said, it's almost like that's the trend now, right? So if it so it's easy for it to be like people can be fake. So like you said, they can go buy the lifestyle look. So you got people that look like you said, that shea butter, socially conscious look, but because that's a look, that's all it is. The person probably could care less about some of the other stuff um, that comes along with that. Um, And it's so crazy that you say that too, because it's, I mean, people that you wouldn't even believe that would want to portray such an image. Um, and that's across the board. That's not even, that's, that's not the shape of the people. That's everybody. That's even some of the white guys who you see, like, look like baby. I mean, I guess Lil Pump is the example where it's like, you for real want to emulate and, and not, I can't say, you for real want to personify everything about you that you believe in you, you know, to a point where you've taken on the, it's almost like you've shed uh, your outer shell to take on the shell of this this image that is portrayed. Because, um, like, all these kids, the new thing is, like, face tattoos. And I, I'm actually not against face tattoos. I'm a fan. I like tattoos a lot. And I'm a fan of tattoos. Um, but if you're going to get a face tattoo, you need to be good and ready to go in the world with a face tattoo, you need to be good and ready to prepare for a career with a face tattoo. Um, right. And it's one of them situations where, because I don't, I mean, I wouldn't get a face tattoo, but I don't see, I mean, you a grown adult, you do what you do. But the fact that kids are real, like, it's to a place where, you know, the, because the trends go deeper than the fashion, it's all about the overall look, right? So to be just tatted down is like a thing and piercings everywhere is a thing. So, um, and like you said, it's kind of that rock star look, but the the fact that people are just jumping into it and the personality don't come with it, you know, and is and then the people aren't even having the the thought deep enough to think like, all right, well, I'm gonna get this spider web tattooed on my temple, you know, then I'm gonna have to go on a job interview with a tat a spider web on my temple, you know, like this is like, how do you not think it that far? And not only that, it's, oh, I gotta add in, man, like. As a man who has locks and a man who used to have locks, like seeing some of these uh, people who can take advantage of, of, of white domination, white supremacy, also try to um, put on a hairstyle that was just to fight that thing, you know what I'm saying, is very like, that's when I know that we're in a epistemological clusterfuck. Like we're in a clusterfuck of ideas now because like literally I was cool with the, you know, not really cool, but I, I'll let people live. Um, who the skater boys and the really kind of dingy grunge kind of um, white male who would grow locks. But now it's becoming like, it's becoming something like we can share everything. And right. that's when I feel like we get into more perverse histories. We get into more perverse um, fashions and interests and hobbies, all these things that we're mentioning tonight, because literally we are thinking that we're sharing everything. We're not understanding the consumption of our styles, the consumption of our um, ideas, the consumption of ours, to be recast as there. So 
soon and very soon, I'm pretty sure all the Whalers and Bob Marley and, and Peter Tosh will all somehow be whitewashed in the documentary because you have these white guys who can now uh, grow their hair into these long locks. So it's, it's just a, it's a constant really consumption of us um, to be us. And that's something that people are not putting on like, High fashion, or what we what we call so-called high fashion, has always been called out. This is not the first generation for them to be called out about stealing from low-class fashion. That's something that Michael Eric Dyson talks a lot about in his work. It's like mm-hmm. hip-hop reinventing everything and really like how the people from um, Manhattan and the other parts of New York that had the money, because you didn't have the ideas for new fashion and how to pro- propel your culture forward, you had to come down to the South Bronx and, and and even like in the South, you had to go to uh, Helen and Delo to get your fashion, to get your fun, to get like white kids. Like ATL is all about these upper middle class black kids who had to go to the hood to find themselves. That's right. a major part of the story. And we're seeing that even with kids um, from across the tracks. We're seeing that from kids who I'm now part of what I think is a drug culture. And drug culture seems to be very black. So let me take on these other identities. But no, you know, you have your own identity and you're trying to project it as me. Right. Well, and it's so crazy too um, that you say that because it's like you you also have like it's a good because of the I guess real or fake progression that's happening. Um, you have realities where people really might be out of touch with certain things that are considered black. You know, just because it's if it's not around you and it's not a part of your community and this and you don't have that as as something to go to, then how will you know? You know what I'm saying? There's certain words, certain slang, certain fashion, certain certain little nuances to, you know, that if you're a black person, that you're a, a black person in America, that you are, are somewhat affiliated and associated with, even if it's something like having a problem with the police. Like, if you're from the hood, what's considered the hood, you almost brought up to go against the police, where... Right. If you're from a more affluent neighborhood, the police is your friend. And so you probably right. do have kids who, you know, low keys, like, where y'all tripping? Like, the police ain't never did nothing to me. I ain't never got pulled over. I've never been. Even Lil Wayne said, I've never been racially profiled. I've never, you know, da 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 da. So that creates a whole other thing, too, because it's almost like if, if, if people are stealing and if you're so disconnected from things black, and again, that, that could be trivial or real. Um, then it's very easy to miss it because you don't even associate yourself with the culture in that way, you know? So it's one of them things. Um, I just lost a QB, but he probably come back on, but it's one of them things too, where, you know, it, times are changing so fast and everything's changing so fast. Um, it's a reality that people really legit might be different and might have interests that lie outside of what's considered stereotypical common black interest um and that's why i was i was really hoping uh my homeboy randall would call in because he's somebody who uh his personal interest um you know they're i mean everyone has their interests that are just their interests like i'm interested in art and music and drums and djing and um, producing music and things like that um and so his interests are definitely something that are different as well. Y'all got you back. Okay. You mind if I jump in there real quick? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you were speaking about, like, that whole relationship with the uh, police and, and law enforcement, and it was interesting because, like, literally between me and my and my, and my sibling, 
Like we had an incident recently. Like when police drive by, like I can't. It's something that is kind of programmed. And I'm standing outside enjoying myself, enjoying nature. Like I was like, bro, I'm not going inside real quick. Like let them go ahead and do their thing because they only didn't necessarily. They never came to my neighborhood as a child um, for good. It was always some type of surveillance, looking for someone, making sure uh, what they so-called thought, like, we got to ride through to make sure crime is not happening. Like, my neighborhood wasn't necessarily crime-infested. Um, from my opinion as a child, I felt safe. I, worried, I ran and rode my bike everywhere. But I just remember, like, people telling us at any spot, like, all right, y'all come in the house real quick. And then go back outside after they're gone. And my brother is not from that space. So like, mm. literally, he was he like when when I did it, he was like, "Bro, I'm straight. Like we can stay outside." I'm like, "Bro, I don't really want to give them that option to figure out. Right. They want to see what I got going on over here. So part of right. that is that's kind of like an old man know the laws. Like you behind this door, like you got to have some old something else." Oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, I mean, and two, if, if 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 you know that they were coming to potentially get your cousin, uncle, brother, the man across the street that fixed the cars, you know, like right. if you just knew that something, something they were coming to slow down or stop something there and that somebody that would, that you were used to seeing all the time that you weren't going to see for an extended a period of time, it right. almost presents them as a scary figure. Cause I right. mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a grown man and I'm the way they murking off people in the streets. I'm low key nerd. It made me, I can't say I'm scared of the police, but I'm weary right. of them. You know, so it's one of those situations. Where, it's one of them situations where it's like those are still humans with, you know, human brains. But I'm almost conditioned to, because like you said, we both have seen situations that were nothing escalate. You know, I, and that's I, both, that's both in person and on you know various social media outlets. And even adding to that, Omar, like as we watch the news, we're seeing more and more shootings that involve police officers that involve that than those that involve gang members and. Even for our reality, as black men, we were taught the reality would be different. Like, you have a bigger chance of being, you know, shot by a gang member in your neighborhood than a police officer. Literally, we know that was not the truth at all. Like, even during our time period as children, that was not the truth. But we're seeing more and more now, which I feel like is a part of our anxiety and fear with the outside world, which is like, people can see an officer involved shooting every day on the news and don't think twice about it because we assume that this is a just shooting. Um, like you said, this is not uh, understanding the human people, human brains who is given a weapon to defuse situations or to respond to tragedies. And we've been continually told this narrative that they need this weapon to respond to it. But we're now seeing how um, when you build up this great need and anxious need to respond to all tragedies, like I'm seeing people getting shot, for stealing cars. Like that's something that that blows my mind because yes, you're putting others in danger, but don't you put more people in danger by shooting at that car who's speeding down the road? Like it's still one of those things where does this people does this person have to die because you don't like they stole a car? Like we're we're right. trying to get to some real epistemological crime and punishment conversation, and it's really amazing to me how much people have accepted. Like every day, the any day, any day. But especially every day, the police officer can be involved in a shooting with a with a civilian, and we have we assume the civilian was wrong and the police was right. When they made a judge, it, I don't think judges should choose whether somebody lives or dies. So the the police officer on the street, who's probably not from that community because they go around the country finding police officer. Like, that's what we are today as well. Like we they go around the country to find these people who they get to a community and the first thing they know is to pull my gun to get people's right. attention, to pull my gun to get people to follow my instructions. And when I'm saying people, the most most people are speaking of are black people, but 
it's some other communities that start to learn of that this whole officer involved shooting ain't fun. Because right. you have no recourse at first. You have unless the in my state the GBI or NCB, NCBI or anybody like that comes and somehow shows ill intent. People are accepting. Hey, the, the officer shot somebody. They killed somebody, and it was just. Yeah. It's right for that person to be dead right now because they did something wrong and the officer did something right. Or it was just an honest mistake from a, a person that's trusted in the community and. They made a mistake, made a and mistake. he's a good guy. We're gonna put him to a traffic duty or something. But we don't. <laughs> but we don't. But we don't juxtapose those same stories to um, conversations of corruption, stealing um, county and city money. Like we having those same kind of conversations. And these are the and like literally down here in in my state, we had a sheriff's office lock the door because the the sheriff literally was like, "Hey, stop your investigation. I quit." And because I quit, y'all can stop looking at the stuff I did and don't say nothing else about it. And then the oh, people man. at the office locked the door for, on the news. So it's one of those things where these are the same people that when they shoot somebody, y'all say, well, these are honest, good people in our community, even though they stole our money and they've been doing things really shady. Uh, and, and, and people really only get upper arms when somebody who's not a black body or a brown body is a, a victim of that shooting. Then they want people to say, hey, hey, the police need to stop. And it's like, well, they've been doing it, and right. ain't enough black bodies to kill in that accidental way. So some other people gonna get it, and that's really right. just the old philosophies that every leader we've ever had said. Like y'all think in America that somehow, and this is the age-old problem: oh, somehow just the poor blacks and poor browns are gonna be or be catching the L's. It's like no, poor people gonna catch this L, right. then middle class <laughs> people gonna catch this L, and whoever's left. Right. Right. But and what's funny too is that it's people at the it's definitely people at the bottom that think they're good and that's just a lost cause. But it's people in the middle that think they're good too and it's like nah, like it's just because if the people at the bottom if the if the heat turn up too much they come into your house too. <laughs> so it's, it's it's one of them situations where really you you better be looking out for the uh the the best good for the most amount of people because. It don't really need to turn into a have and have not situation in our country because what we know is people here don't do well with not having. <laughs> so, is, and, that's, and, that, and that's on any level, man. And when you when you look at the first Great Depression, or you look at the onset of the Great Depression, which we keep trying to avoid, um, it shows you how many how much they're invested. People are invested into this economic system of slavery. Um, it shows you. Um, even with you, when it comes to the law and enforcement, um, they know who, when the financial system breaks down, who are the real criminals, who are the people we really need to follow. So it's really interesting dynamic because we're starting to see, especially in my area, uh, which I've learned is the heroin triangle, um, we're having to redefine who criminals are and who, the, who are the drug addicts and stuff like that. And while we have our luxury to do so, like I'm still, like that's why it's, I still have my, open, my eyes open. I'm, I'm still being very aware that not only do I have this aggression coming from police and law enforcement my way, but it also could be possibly aggression from and crime and punishment crime from people who are drug addicts from a drug that I have no you know a knowledge of and people are saying they need help. So yeah, this person may need help, but this person may be breaking in my house thinking I have pills in my in my cabinet or have or, or trying to jump in my car, grab my purse or not my, my purse, but, you know, my, my lady's purse, because they have a drug addiction that people are saying, we just need to get them some help so we keep them on the streets. 
That was the most amazing right. thing to me. Like as I watch intervention and seeing the response to opioids, it's kind of like the same people who are you know involved in these shootings are trying to help these people while these people are committing crimes on the show. Right. <laughs> right. And I think uh, Randall just jumped on. What's good, Randall? What's going on? What's going on? How y'all doing? Sorry, I'm late. Nah, you good? You good? You uh, you just caught us uh in the middle of just uh the conversation. I mean, we still having a. I mean, we still talking about fashion. It just kind of took a turn because we started talking about some other stuff um related to um people taking styles and people kind of moving a certain way. And um, it's funny that 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 uh QB just brought up kind of the drug thing because it made me think about like what was once considered black fashion was the, the trap boy look. And then they like banned it for real. Like you couldn't wear the shirt in school no more. You couldn't, you couldn't really do nothing that was associated with the look because it was all pretty much considered gang culture. But uh, it, all it really was, was that's how the hood dressed. <laughs> and it, and, and everybody right. in the hood wasn't banking like that. So it was just one of them situations. But um, I, I kind of want to take it back a little bit uh, since we got Randall on and Randall, you definitely um, a person, like I said, on the top um, who, you know, you got your, you, you, you co-own this clothing line and you, you definitely keep your ear to the street with fashion. And me and QB were kind of making light of just the whole idea of, um, you know, the fashion world is kind of redundant right now. If you, well, at least if you ask me, um, everything kind of looks alike. And as a, as a fashion kind of sword, and as a person that has a brand that's dabbling into this, I want to hear your perspective on just the state of fashion and then, and, and, and what you think it means. And then even, to, and then from a cultural place, like is black fashion even a thing now? Cause everybody kind of dress alike. So like, let me get a little bit of your take on that. Okay. I'll try to tackle that. Um, the, the first thing I'll try to tackle is um, whether fashion is redundant. And, um, of course, you know, I, I, I would like to say that sometimes we associate fashion, um, so to speak, with style and being stylish, what's stylish or what's in at the time, what's trendy at the time. Um, and if, if we want to talk about it like that, then I feel like, yeah, you're, you're very much correct. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's very much a cycle. Um, and it's so funny because, you know, things that are, are quote-unquote in now or things that we did when we were younger and, you know, we see the younger crowd do it or the so-called fashionable crowd do it. And it's like, man, what, this, this ain't nothing new. We, we've been doing that. Right. So, um, right. you know, that's, that's number one. Um, number two, um, the state of, of black fashion. Um, you know, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because, um, even my partner, we just came, or we just went to New York and was up there and watched people walk around. And I was like, look, man, the most, you know, fashionable or stylish people that you'll see are going to be the Asian people, like, just for, for some odd reason. Uh, that's just what it is. And um, I was telling them, I was like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you depending on where you at, you might see some fashionable or stylish black people, and then other places you won't. Just like, you know, you were talking about, like, the hood, so... We were in Brooklyn. We see the way the black people dress there. It's completely different than, you know, you going to Soho and you seeing people walk around there. So it, it is. It's like you have a, a, a culture within a culture, a subculture within a culture, uh, when it comes to fashion and stuff like that. Because um, 
at the end of the day, fashion and style is nothing but like a, a language of expression, basically, um, in, in the most simplistic form. I mean, people can put a little bit more into it, but in the most simplistic form, it's just nothing but like a language of expression. So um, there, there's there's a lot in that. And I will say the one thing I do find funny is, um, I guess kind of when you say um, a streetwear or urbanwear culture, things like that, um, it is largely backed by, I'll say, hip-hop. And it's funny because of the lifestyle you are, you don't really see, like, the, the owners of these companies that are pushing these brands and, you know, the most prominent brands um, in the culture. You know, they aren't, like, black or anything. So that that's a funny, a funny thing that you, you, you ask that because I, I definitely be like, or tell anybody, hip-hop culture basically runs world culture right now. Like, I mean, it's it's everywhere. If you're, uh, like, just attached to hip-hop culture, it's just all, you know, around around the globe. Everybody wants a piece of it. So um, I find that, you know, pretty weird. And I, I think that's answered all the questions so far. Oh yeah, before me. And, and Omar, well, I think I want to. I really want to reiterate, like even with that last part of what uh, Randall was saying, man. It's just uh, it's, on the international phase, we're seeing with hip hop, just the consumption of um, Afro diaspora and culture, and it's it's, it's one of those things where um, once it reach high fashion and, and people still take it and make it their own from their own cultural lenses, um, it's still dope. I can't even I can't even front like when I, when, I, when I'm speaking to people outside of. Um, this black and white that we have in America, oftentimes as far as the polls, like people in between, like he he's speaking of people in you know Asia, like China and and Japan and other places like that, South Southern Asia. But if you go to the people more so in India and things like that, when it comes to the vibrant colors, like this is still a consumption of blackness internationally, and hip hop is just the latest iteration of it. Where I remember like hearing about Bape culture, and it was like, yo, Bape is alright here, but just think about what it's doing elsewhere. <laughs> right, right. Well, and two, I mean, it, it's not like we we already know that anything that we do as a people, and that's just melanated people across the world, it's gonna it's gonna be something that's gonna likely be celebrated and copied and stolen and uh, adju- adjusted and transferred. But it's just one of those things where it's just you know, um, somebody asked the, the other day, like, all right, so. Um, the reason why a lot of these young rappers don't respect like um Cool Modi and uh, you know all those older Kooji uh, rap and some of those uh earlier guys is because it's like well why aren't y'all running the record labels like y'all supposed to be the originators but y'all don't run shit in the industry and so is it the same in fashion where it's like well we respect cuz like somebody another per- same kind of conversation i had with somebody they were saying like you know we see that the what's considered the urban brands and the street brands, we see that high-end brands are wanting to do collaborations with them, but we're still not really willing to put it in that same place as a Louis Vuitton, you know? And, and then we, and on some level, we do, because when they do the collaboration, the, the sale and resale is kind of out of control, but it's still one of those things where, you know, you'll get people that buy Supreme to go get Louis Vuitton, but I don't know that you'll get some of Louis Vuitton's customers to go get Supreme products unless they're just into that style and it's a younger person. But it's two very different customers. You know what I'm saying? But it's almost like one co- one brand doesn't 
need the other customer, but the the urban brand kind of sweeps everybody, if that makes sense. And so it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, if you're building a brand, how do you get up in the Raptors with a Louis Vuitton, a Gucci? How do you catch up and compete? Um, the where where because the demand is already there, but it's a situation where, you know, you really gotta put your product beside it and hope that it go, you know, or, or hope that it get hot enough. Because like I was saying before, y'all came on, it, it used to be where if it was a brand and it was on the come up. It'll be like a rapper throw it on and it'll pop off, or an athlete to wear it and it'll pop off. Now with you know the internet and everything, it's like there's tons of brands that you have. So you have a full buffet of small brands to support. Uh, but it's one of them things where people still kind of go for the known and they go for the uh, the the names that are kind of a little more like that. Like you said, like a I've seen. So I, I work in a high school. This kid had on this fake Supreme uh, Louis Vuitton hoodie. And he was geeked about it, like, hey, yeah, I like my hoodie, you like my hoodie, you like my hoodie. And I'm looking at this hoodie like, yeah, your hoodie is straight, but you said you pay 80 bucks for that, sir. You know, so, right. and that's not how that go. <laughs> so, you know, but but he didn't even care, you know, so it was one of the, and, and I think this kid knew, so it was one of them things where it's like, I don't even think people, and it go back to what, you you didn't catch the part where me and QB were talking, we were pretty much saying H&M got pretty much there the, you want to look, you want to look, but you can't afford it. So come to us. And that's where we are right now. Like you really can't get what you want to have, but we're going to make you look good as, and you're going to, we're going to get you something that's very close to it, you know? So, um, but I just, I just oh, would really like to see more and Randall, you can jump in too and tell me what your, when we were coming up and when we were, cause we were the, we were the ones who were kind of into it. And now because of our little brothers, little cousins, they're definitely into it. But we all had the wallet chains. We all started the fitted jeans with the Nike SBs, but we all had our own little spin to it. Do you think that's correct? Uh, yeah. I, you know, it, it's it's funny to hear that because I'm I'm listening to it and um to a to a certain extent you are correct. There, it is two totally different markets when you're talking about um high end tour fashion and what would be generally deemed as quote-unquote streetwear, street fashion, urban wear. Um, but the, the difference is the, the, the lines diverge when you start to talk about the actual quality of the clothing, especially when you're getting up into those higher brands and you start talking about the base, the Supremes, um, and, and fragment design and things like that. And that's probably, I'll, I'll say, um, as early as probably I can remember, like 2006, 2007, um, you you had where we we had brands like uh, Zivashi and shit like I know people were like Givenchy you know Zivashi is French um, and, and stuff like that and they were like copying brands and stuff like that and then um, here recently more like we we see where um, Louis Vuitton did a collection with with Supreme which is by way of what was then their their leader of their fashion house Kim Jones um, but we start to see that and that divergence where actually the customer that gets the Louis Vuitton and stuff like that is the person that gets the Supreme and those other limited brands. I mean, Louis Vuitton did, did two collaborations this year, one with Supreme that's a little bit more well-known, and then the other one with Fragment Design that other people may know that are a little bit deeper into it. So those lines have started to diverge, and being that a fashion house like Louis Vuitton has done a collaboration with um, a supreme, you know, that definitely puts, you know, value behind 
them as a brand and as streetwear, period, as overall as, as a fashion industry, um, just to have that because, I mean, that's just in the fashion world, that's a, a long-standing fashion house with a very prestigious name. They're, you know, very known. Um, but also past that, you have brands um, that, that are starting to come back that people didn't necessarily know as much about uh, before, like Goyard. Um, you know, once again, hip-hop culture has brought that to the forefront. These were between Goyard and different luxury watches and stuff like that. We're bringing these to the forefront, so it's it's different. Now your customer is that person that will buy streetwear because, you know, other people are making items uh, more known to you, put them on the map, and as a part of the lifestyle, those are, are, are things that, you know, we buy, so we become new consumers. So that's the first part. Second part, um, as far as like a, a H&M being your I can't afford to look, um, I, I don't even think it's I, I can't afford to look. It is a – some people just don't have the fashion sense, really. Like, some people just, you know, they like, okay, I, I feel like that looks good. It might look good on me. I don't know. But, like, you know, some people can't just uh, – or aren't the people to search out particular pieces to go in their closet in their wardrobe. So, you know, this store can give me an affordable look for a little bit of time, I don't, you know, I can just go here and get everything and it's affordable, it works out. Um, the the person that's like that isn't going to be the person that's going to spend hundreds of dollars on a pair of jeans or anything like that. Um, number one, maybe just because flashy stuff might not get it for them. Number two, um, they might not understand the quality within it. Like, for me, I, I mean, I might spend a lot of money on, on some of my clothing and stuff like that, but it's not just because I'm spending a lot of money on the clothes like that doesn't get it from me. I'd much rather have that money in my pocket. However, I do understand paying for quality, and I understand um, the difference on how things are made and, and what it's supposed to do and stuff like that. So I will pay for that quality and innovation there, just knowing that this piece of clothing is going to perform in a particular way that it's supposed to. So I think that's, uh, you know, one of those deciding factors in how, like, you know, the H&Ms and Urban Outfitters and, and stuff like that just works. Honestly, Red, I want to ask a question um, to that first part um, about the fashion industry as an international kind of industry and how much of that, um, how much of, like, um, resources and the scarcity of resources and limiting those resources and having access to those resources also feeds into those brands. Um, you can talk about it in those two ways you just did, like, just as the international system, as well as just the mom and, you know, me and, and anybody else who I'm looking for quality. I want to have that kind of innovation, but my access to resources kind of influences my style. I know from my point of view, um, we look at urban style. It's just as much about what's available as much as what can, what people can, like you said, people can afford. So um, at one point in time, urban fashion was very cheap. Like you can get a pair of jeans for, you know, anywhere from $20 to $200. And you just need a white T-shirt. That could still be a designer T-shirt or a T-shirt you got at the gas station. So you still can... Um, fit the same bill, but it doesn't cost the same bill, if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, availability to resources, man, I think that's a that's a huge one. Um, and I think that one just kind of, I'm going to say it, it touches me in more ways than one, um, just due to me, number one, being a consumer, 
And then number two, um, more so on the business side and being a business owner and um, owning a business in the industry and, and thinking about producing goods and stuff like that. Um, more so, on, first of all, on the consumer side, um, it's kind of like what Omar said. Like there's a lot of things. Um, every, I would say every young person right now knows who or what Supreme is. Um, does every young person know that there's only two physical Supreme stores in the United States? Probably not. So when you think about it like that, the chances of, of someone actually having Supreme, like a lot of it, um, is probably slim to none unless they have a lot of money and they buy everything, you know, on the resale market. Um, so that's one part of availability. With that comes, like he was talking about fakes and things like that. So that's that's one part of it that brings it in, into the the equation. Um, second, and it's kind of funny when you thought about it, when you said it, it was like, uh, you know, you have a place where you get jeans or something for like $20 or $200. And, and I, re- I remember that stuff, um, or excuse me, I remember the store in, in the mall in Greensboro, and I know QB, I know you remember it was called Street Stuff on the third floor, like as soon as you yes, came sir. up the stairs. Third floor, yeah, there it is. And like they had like literally like they had a joint where you could get jeans for twenty dollars. You could step it up one level, get some jeans for forty dollars. Um, they had the flight coats. I swear the flight coats was like twenty five dollars. You know, mm-hmm. everybody had them. Everybody had the the five for twenty or five for twenty five t shirts. Like literally, you could really go in there and like for a hundred two hundred dollars, like you could have a whole semester worth of outfits. Like outfits, <laughs> not a outfit. Outfits. Right. Yeah. With, with coats, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, and and and, and it's it's um, I I, I I you know I can't even explain that because it it was a look that you could achieve for for no money at all. It was, it was a very simple look. You got a tall tee, you got your jeans, you got your flight coat, and you're good. Um, and you know maybe some forces or something like that. You know. Or, or or whatever dang on uh, Foot Locker had the dang on the, the two for 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 whatever price it was you know whatever they had that you know whatever those was you was good but um within the culture everything kind of switched to, to being more uh, exclusive you know having those 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 things that were like limited edition products and um the you know the more expensive brands and being more flashy and stuff like that so i think to achieve the the look now is a bit harder it's definitely more expensive um well you definitely I don't one even of those... Know those stores that you know exist anymore really cuz i i don't really you know shop no, them anymore so they do they do okay they do it's just it's just one of them things where the people that go in there they they they, they cover their face up cuz they don't want nobody to see them buying the the fake the fake balmains and the fake you know what I'm saying? Like they don't. It's 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 almost a shame thing now because everybody, like you said, wants to seem so exclusive. And you know, I, and I would, if you ask me, I would put it on the the drug culture being pushed to the forefront, and then music because, like, if you go li- watch that uh, bitch Big Meat BMF documentary, they straight tell you in Atlanta they was riding old schools Cadillacs and all that pimp, pimp scene was the scene. And then when they really started getting money, it was straight. It's, everybody turned in their old schools and got foreign. Everybody turned in their felines and got, uh, you know, uh, Pradas. You know what I'm saying? So it was one of them situations where the music culture and then I, they really that New York culture, because in the South, we didn't really move like that. 
that was like a New York thing in part because that's where the products were at, right? So you had dudes not uh, hitting up the, you had your your uh, what you call them the 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 boosters, and then you had the people making the knockoff, you know. So it was one of them situations where it was it was a part of a different kind of culture, and as the people spread out, and as the people got older, and as some of the brands started to spread out, and then hip hop kind of started to spread out, it kind of spread out with it. Because I would hate to be a kid now, honestly. I will take my simple, bro. My 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 wardrobe in high school, as far as some shoes go, you get a pair of white air to- a high top whites, a pair of low top whites, and some Tims, and you was good for the year. And so <laughs> one of those situations where it, now it's like if you can't, if you don't got the Jays, or if you don't got the Marathis, or if you ain't even some of these exclusive shoes, like I'm seeing people pop up with, it's kind of out of control. Um, and even but it's, I'm even go ahead. I'm sorry, oh, but even add in, like, we're just talking about on the male side for us, like, those stores we were speaking of is really still heavy in the women's side um, and the girls' side because there's just so many tiers for their fashion where you can achieve the look, you know, because you have the body or whatnot, um, and the shoes, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's still a, a kind of um, high-end, low-end and try to fit in the middle. Like, you know, there's a rep- you know, there's a reputation for people, as you were talking about with the guys, like, covering their faces. Same thing happened with women. If you're not, if you're not even at Forever 21 in those kind of places, like you already cut up your face to go into those other side shops that you may find a dress similar to, or not just the, you know the same. But as Randall right. was speaking to, the quality of that product, um, the quality of that shoe, you know, I actually watched a Lebouton, um documentary and just seeing like, oh, this shoe's not gonna give you any problem. This shoe is actually exclusively made for you um, in the same kind of old shoemaker style versus these kind of mass produced styles that you're going to find in those shops is, is even amazing to me because women are experiencing this even more so than the men because of um, they're more materialistic than us. Right. Mm. And that's that to me, honestly, that's part is my personal opinion. Cause my brother, so I'm 32 this July. My brother's four years older than me, which means he'll be 36 in August. And when we were in college, he used to really go in like, bro, that's some bitch ass shit. Like y'all, y'all got all these shoes and shit. Like y'all dressing up and shit. Like what the fuck? Like he was really awesome. Like, bro, that's feminine. Like I don't care what you say. Ain't no way of spinning it. Like that's some old feminine shit. But now it's like the thing. Like it's plenty of dudes out here that got more shoes than they girl. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of them things where I do believe that that. Well, and then we all knew that gay gay guys kind of drove. Like a lot of guy stylists were gay men, you know what I'm saying? So to see yeah. the, the full the full kind of progression of it now, where dudes are low key kind of dressing feminine, is kind of like, well, yeah, you know, why wouldn't they? Look, I mean, right. this has never not been a thing. Um, and and, and, I, and even, go ahead. I mean, even if you add into, I mean, a major part of this conversation, we have to just toss in there. It's just a young professional. And the casual look that became more popular, um, hip hop started to change as well. So remember, you know, the the the, the Cameron started introducing that pink color, and then right behind Cameron, you have people like Kanye West and others who who were wearing polos and these kind of like. I know when I first saw a Louis Vuitton bag, I was like, hey man, I remember seeing my sister with a bag like that that she got from the Chinese store. Right. Um, like, I know what those bag style is like, but this is something new. This is something novel. So mm-hmm. starting to see that. And he was way more aware of the fashion industry being from Chicago or being, you know, being in those areas like Chicago than, than I was. So, you know, being in the South. So um, even though, even how hip hop influenced that change of 
okay, yeah, then Franchise Boy was out the same time Kanye was dropping late registration and stuff like that. So there was already that dynamic of, you know, some of us start wearing, you know, we still had the baggy jeans, but let's put a polo on top. Let's put a button up on top just to be a little more professional and casual. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's so funny that um that I the convo kind of goes in this direction because um Oa has known me for a long time. I mean, you know, ever since we we came to UNC Charlotte or whatever our freshman year, and certain ways that I dressed then and hadn't necessarily mean that I, I I changed now. Like literally, I have the the same shirt that I can put my finger on. It's a pink polo, um, has the same shirt. And when I first wore it, they, you know, everybody thought, oh, he gay, he gay. It's like, dang, you know, it's a, it's a pink polo, you know, like, you know, right. whatever. It wasn't like overly large or nothing like that. He gay, he gay, he gay. And um, of course, I think I've been a little bit more fashion forward. Like I've always, I, I've had, you know, been been a dude like with a fanny pack. I got a little, I guess, if somebody want to call it a man bag, you know, whatever things like that. Um, but still, in the Merge. same sense. Um, the way that I carry myself is always in a very masculine manner. You know, I don't think there's any distinguishing, oh, this dude got a bag, you know, let me question, you know, whether he's he's a dude, you know, a dude dude or, or a sissy dude or anything, whatever you want to think like that. Um, so that that's, that's really, really, really funny um, that the conversation has gone that way because I definitely – the the young, some of the young kids do some things that I I can't necessarily say I would do or I get with, right. um, but all in the same way, um, I'm like who am I to tell somebody how to express themselves? You know, um, I feel like people go through that period of growth, and however they lash out, it might not be like the way that I would choose to lash out, but still in that same sense, that's their way. Um, but yeah, things are are very very questionable now. I'll say there there's a, a a a thin line, and it's it's funny because with saying that, and, and we just talked about it in many ways. We you know we talked about how the the culture of the the long tee and jeans and stuff like that. Like I remember that that was like kind of like a Atlanta thing. You know what I'm saying? Truthfully, like that was that was like the new look from Atlanta when Atlanta was kind of like. Atlanta and the South was kind of like busting out as really the leaders of hip hop or kind of taking the place of everybody, the rappers up north and stuff like that. And then we go from something like that to what we see now with like the Migos, you know, and they're, you know, everything designer, everything like, you know, kind of super tight and, um, you know, Lil Uzi Vert, he ain't from Atlanta, he's from Philly, but, you know, now this this whole new look. You know, it's crazy. So we still have a lot of artists, and in, in, um, I guess we still say the South is kind of dictating um, the sound of hip-hop right now. Um, but when you look at these Atlanta artists, start to look at the, you know, the future of the Migos, this, that, and the other, and, and then you compare them to the era of past when we were talking about the, the long white tees and, and stuff like that. So you had, like, you know, Young Jeezy and, and you know, even Gucci Mane, he first came out back then, and, you know, the boys in the hood, you know, that whole group and stuff like that, it's like, it's different. And it, right. it's so funny to see, like, that transformation actually in that city, which is, you know, very pivotal to, I'm going to say, the culture, quote, unquote, in a sense, um, back then and right now. So would you say, go ahead. 
Well, I'll go um, say, even I'll I want to bring it to the conversation and kind of bring it up to you know a, a, a level scholars would talk about it as far as like black masculinity and how it expresses itself and how that um, some of our eras of hip hop always kind of limited that. So even in the same sense, like I wasn't fashionable as far as um, just the apparel and trying to find my fashion as well. Like you know going through you know you go through your dad's old fashion. I wore a Kangol at one point in time, looking stupid. Um, um, and, and then try to like, okay, let, maybe try to do some things a little more in the middle, but even with the products, like I was really big during puberty about like not having a, like a, I didn't feel like being dirty and grungy, even though I was wearing a white tee and baggy stuff was a part of being a man, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. uh, one thing that ends up happening, even in this conversation of fashion is how much they try to limit. And I say they, not just much as us inside of it, but they on the outside really tried to squeeze in and limit what masculinity was and, and I had to understand with that white tea and black tea era, like really kind of making it gray and really trying to like boil it down to something that's not interesting. And you won't see the physique of the black man if he's wearing a baggy white tee and a baggy clothes. You know what I'm saying? So we, even though we went through that era, there was still a certain um, psychological propaganda that was happening behind the scenes. So we were both kind of fighting, whether it being clothes, whether it being smells and products we're using. Like I use Mary Kay products on my face for years to keep my face clear. And I wouldn't tell anybody because it's kind of like, bro, that's, I mean, y'all, people would think that was, like you said, people think it was, you know, kind of kind of queer, but it's still one of those things where there's still a place for a black man. My granddad took care of himself. He ain't believe in coming out slacking. So somewhere along those eras, we started boiling that down to know if you take care of your skin, if you take care of your face, if you moisturize your hands, and if you wear clothes that are fitting more so than baggy as hell, like, you somehow are going into this gay international fashion world, which may have not been the case. Like, there's still a, a, a large space between that we've discussed. And it's funny that you say that, too, because um, I definitely, in college, started using women's soap because of the fact that they put moisturizer in it. <laughs> because in men, the time, if men's soap didn't come with, like, your skin would be super dry using like, uh-huh. men's soap. Yeah, so I, I, I definitely remember that shift. And I guess, too, it, it, it came from a situation where, you know, it was you, the the homosexuality was something that was always you knew it was there, but it still was never accepted. So it was almost like if you was attaching yourself to anything remotely feminine, your your sexuality became in question. And now right. to see, like you said, the progression of it, where it's like you got dudes straight out wearing skirts and dresses and they straight out like, boom, I got this on and this ain't this is just clothes. And, you know, it's one of them situations where it's like, I guess you can see how the progression of like, well, first, I don't want to use the feminine products. And then it's like, like Randall was talking about uh, the bag, the fanny pack and the, you know, a man person, and then the progression of, and it's like, there's really nothing wrong with any of that. It's just the whole idea of like the the rules for it change. And then there really Mm -hmm. aren't, it pretty much gets to a point where it shows you that there are no rules honestly, and you can kind of just do what you want to do, and, you know, it's, it's it's one of them situations where it may, depending on the person, have went too far, because some people kind of ran with it and kind of turned it into something else, um, but it's a situation where it, it's, it's interesting to see that people are kind of more acceptable of more things, and that kind of shifts me to the next thing that I did want to cover tonight, um, and Randall uh, really, and you too, QB, too, because we both kind of talked about it. Like, it's one of them things where these things are considered black, and these things are considered manly, and these things are considered the things to do. Um, 
And so when you have a person who has an interest outside of what's considered black, you know, they get shunned, they get, you know, kind of picked on. Like I was, like I said earlier, my dad listened to ACDC and rock and roll. He didn't really listen to a ton of hip hop and rap when I was growing up. So if you were in his car, like he might be nice if he was in the mood to be nice and put it on the rap station. But for the most part, you had to listen to what he listened to. And at the time I hated it. But as I grew up and when I got to college and stuff, it was like, dang, like I know this music, this music is kind of dope. And I really like some of these songs. And then the blend is the blending started to happen. And it's just one of them things where it's like um, counterculture is culture. And there's so many different kinds of culture. So there's no there is no home for blackness because now the blackness is everything from the nerdy into Dungeons and Dragons all the way to the trap lord who is all about trapping and selling drugs and all that. And so talk, let's talk about like the shift because I know both of you have interest in things that were considered white boy things even if and even if when it comes to fashion. Where cuz I remember when I wore my uh my fitted Levi's and my wallet chain with my dunks uh to the hood the first time as soon as I hopped out my car they was like who that white boy making jokes. Because at the time, like, everybody, it hadn't hit the hood yet that it was the thing to do. And so little did they know, three months later, all of them were going to have the lip piercings and the wallet chains and the whole lot. Black boy, black so, boy. Right, right, right. So it was one of them <laughs> things where it, everything shifted. So, like, what is your take, both of you, what is your take on just what's considered black interest and your experience with black interest and what's considered black interest? Um, I, I'll go from my limited experience a little bit with uh, – Part of my shift in the style was really like, tr- not just really trying something different and not w- and willing to, like I knew people couldn't beat my ass over like a, a, some shoes, um, and, and we'll stand and we'll stand in the jokes like you know some people don't have like I come from a, a, a black ass family so hearing the jokes it started the house man my sisters would eat me up and I mean you know what I'm saying so I wasn't really like I was exposed to white fashion but really it, to me it wasn't seen as white fashion it was like. It's a whole nother world of stuff I can choose from to like put this image together of myself to express myself in a way I could, and that's why I similar to what y'all say. Like, I can't really hate on the kids, like hate on. I'm I'm saying kids because I feel a little older, but hate on younger people for doing like some of the stuff goes wild, some of the stuff goes like further than I would go. But then again, when I think about the ages and just the opportunities they have, it's kind of like I mean I wouldn't have done it, but still, who knows what I would have done or what I would have put on like even seeing Andre 3000 during our era make his transition from like really kind of like this typical hood dude who know a little bit about spirituality and, and trying to find stuff out to like, Hey, I'm gonna go super crazy. And like, okay, I can't go that far, Andre. And then kind of still like seeing him now, like he's kind of leveled out in and kind of like simplistic, but still super fashionable ways he can pull out his style and who he is, you know, at, at any point. So that's what it was for me. It was really like, hey, this ain't even like I would have never gone in this store because they didn't have the twenty dollars jeans and the and the black and white tees. But now I'm gonna go in this store with an open mind to like, I'm not like I didn't go to the vans that were the skateboard shoes. They were real thick and shit like that. That shit is not fashionable to me. That shit just like it's functional, but like I wasn't skating all the time, so it's not fashion. You know, it's not <clears> fashionable. So finding the colors that I like and finding the styles that I like. That's how I go into stores now where. You know, my mind is way open and still keeping in mind that there's still spaces that I ain't going to find nothing here that's going to fit what I'm trying to put together. So I need to go to a tailor. I might need to go to somebody who can literally put this together and, and see if finding people with sewing machines is becoming even more hard today. Dang, that's, um, 
I'm sitting here. I was thinking as QB was talking because as soon as you brought the question up, I was like, man, that's a whew, that's a crazy one because I'm like, you know, growing up, um, I've always just been a little bit different, I guess. Like, I remember like in kindergarten and stuff, like, you know, somebody might be in in their drawing or something, and like most kids, they're like, draw me like, you know, uh, a superhero or something like that. And I'm like, draw me a car or a truck. So for me, when I really think about it, like what I'm really interested in, overall there aren't a lot of black people or or white people, period, for that matter, that are, are really into it. It's like, oh, it seems cool, but they're not, like, really into it. So with there not being a lot of people into it, period, there are definitely, like, a lot less people into it that look like me. Um Growing up, I always had to, you know, kind of, I'm going to say, study what my friends did to fit in because, I mean, of course, I would have, you know, my video games that I love to play, but no one liked to play them because I was the only one that was good at it and everybody else sucked where the other video games, they were all good at, but I sucked, so easier for them to just be like, all right, let me skunk Randall real quick and then we can play and have fun. So it's like, you know, I had to actually, like, learn how to play those games just to be able to spend time with my friends. Um, and it, that, that's, like, always been my life. Like, I always had to do other stuff to fit in with everybody else while right. keeping what I truly like, like, to myself. And it's, like, kind of the same thing, but it's a curse and a blessing. And the reason why I say that, it's a curse because, um, you know, to this day, I still I can't have a conversation with, with someone that looks like me acts like me or interested in other things that I'm interested in about my true passion in life. It's just not going to happen. And, I mean, it's just one of those things I guess you kind of accept, like, the few black people that I have come across that I can have these conversations with, it's, it's like, man, like, I feel like I'd probably have a better chance of Jesus coming back before, like, I have, like, <laughs> ten of them in a room together. Um, but, you know, like, Past that, it's also a blessing because being so different and being kind of on that island alone, it may it it, it allowed me to um, I'm gonna say get over my everyone else has this this blanket to hide under, and they can hide with everyone else under this blanket. That when they get to um, a, a different point in their life, mm. it's hard for them to know who they are. Mm because they've just been, like, kind of blending in so long that they don't really truthfully know who they are as a person. And for me, I know exactly what I like. You know, like, I mean, you guys know we, we have other conversations, and, like, if I be like, I don't like that, my answer ain't going to change. And y'all be like, oh, Randy, you just BSing. It's like, nah, I don't like that, blah, blah, blah. I'm very firm on the things that I like, the things that I will do, and stuff like that, because I truly know who I am as a person, as a being. You know what I'm saying? There is no ambiguity there, there is no 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 um, gray area. It's very black and white with me. And I think that me being more so alone and having to kind of in- internalize, like, it's okay to like what you like, be proud of it, and, and, you know, not necessarily have nobody else behind you. That's okay for you to do that, you know what I'm saying? And, like, for me to be the type of person that's like, okay, yo, you know, like, when there's certain things going on, I say, look, I'm I'm going to watch this race. I'll be back, whatever, whatever. But, you know, like, just being that type of person um, that 
is just very strong in in their self and in their will and in knowing, you know, that I'm doing things for me in all aspects of my life and not doing it for, you know, because my mom or my daddy think I should live this way or somebody else think this or will will people accept me if I do that? Um, I think that's, you know, one of my strengths in a person because it, it, it makes it very easy to be me. Um, I, I think I, I feel less of the world's pressures, so to speak, um, by having that attribute. Absolutely, bro. Like, that's that's something that gifted black men, I mean, they talk about that in scholarship, but they still don't encapsulate it like you did in words. It's kind of like we have a talent that when we get isolated or alienated in these PWI spaces and professional Fortune 500 corporations, it's like, well, I've always been on this island. Like, to be myself in a space full of people who are trying to network with me, I don't have to speak in a different voice. I don't have to necessarily, like, when people talk about, like, dropping slang and things like that, like, nah, bro, I'll drop the slang and explain it and keep it moving because, like, I've always been on this island. I've always had my own own slang and used my own words that people say, well, that word's out of style. And I was like, well, I'm using it five different ways still. So, like, it, it, it crosses over in so many things because even as we discuss this world of fashion and masculinity and, and being on that island, it, for us as, as hip hoppers, it goes into our style, the way we walk, the way we like talk, the, like you said, the things we're interested in, the things that we read. Like these are things that in all this conversation, like people, it's not codified. It's not a normal, it's a glitch in the matrix. It's not how we were supposed to come out in all the environments that we were in and engaging in. Like we, even in our childhood, have spoke about like, the different spaces that we have entered and exited and had to somehow maintain some semblance of self and eventually like understand like I I will only change or acquiesce information um, that I've dealt with and struggled with more so than compromise myself. Like that's something I will not compromise because that's all I got really. Um, All the other stuff is stuff that I'm putting on and stuff that I'm, I'm trying to express myself to the world, but um, you still have to engage with who I am in its totality, um, because if you just try to take parts, you're not going to get it. Right, <clears throat> right. And I know for me too, this is one of those situations where I had to go through college twice to figure out me, and then get got to the end and realize I probably should have never even went to college. Like this shit was, it was one of them situations where it's like you Bruh. get put into an environment and mm-hmm. you get put onto a pathway or a track. And then you kind of just kind of follow that track. And it's like, man, I've always had an interest into music. I've always had an interest into fashion. I've always had an interest in art. Who I told and shared about it was a whole different situation, but it was one of them situations. Now, here I'm sitting here doing art. I'm doing music. I'm doing, you know, all this different stuff. And it's like, dang, like if I would have really, because I was always into these things, and if I would have really pursued it earlier, I would be at a different place now. And so now it's like a, it's like a, um, not so much of a scramble, but it's like a, I got to organize myself to pretty much knock all this stuff out when I was pursuing something, which was me too, because I pursued counseling and counseling is very much me. Um, but it was one of them things where it's like, had I known now, I would have been doing my art too. And I would have been doing my music too. But I had the, I believed in society in a way that it's like, yeah, you go to college and then you get a degree and then you get a job that pays good money. And then that sets you up to do the things you enjoy. But really, you should never not do the things you enjoy. Um, And so I kind of got on autopilot in life, you know, and thinking that it was just going to be a smooth situation when um, I I was already given gifts um, and it was just a matter of manifesting them and and, and working them out. And um, 
it's just crazy hearing y'all talk about just the different realities and the different things and the different motivations and how, you know, these points in your life kind of help shape you and shift you into the person that you are. Um, with, and then it, it really does get to a point where isolation is like the greatest place because, you know, you got to free yourself from all opinions, free yourself, like do you and do what you enjoy and you'll attract the minds and, and things that are like that. And another thing too, that I want to bring up is, and that's why I put uh, for the title of this episode is black fashion, black interest and black magic, really whatever we do and touch and we put our, um, our little spin on it, our little touch on it is going to catch fire just because of who we are as people. Um, and so that's been dope too, to see kind of everybody flourish and kind of get their rocks off in different ways and, kind of find their find their way and it's just been a good time and it's a good thing and and i think that we all in different ways kind of encourage people below us and people that come uh after us um and so randall one thing we do on here um is like a last word pretty much is like a last little statement uh that you want to leave people with whoever listen to this um that you want to your last thoughts um and so usually i kick it off and then i let the other people online go and so um, my final thought today uh, is make sure that you're doing you. Um, fuck people because people ain't shit and people don't see your vision and people don't see you. Um, they see what they see and they interpret what they see based on their knowledge and people don't know shit. <laughs> so it's one of them things where you kind of just got to be out here moving because um, it's very easy to compare yourself to other people it's very easy to look at something and give it a value. You know, you look at something and say like, oh, that's so popping or, oh, that's so whack. But you don't know what's going on with that thing or that brand or that. What you're looking at, you really don't know. You just have an image in front of you and whatever information you have about that image. And then you make your judgment and your decision on that. And I'm saying that none of that shit matters. Um, so if you're a creator, if you're somebody that's pushing forward, whether it's fashion, music, art, whether you're a writer, a teacher, whatever you want to do, um, you have the gifts to do it. You just have to free yourselves from the opinions and thoughts, the, the, the defeating thoughts that you bring on yourself and the opinions of other people that make you second guess yourself because you already know what it is that you need to do. You may not even know how to do it, but you know what, you know what it is that you want to do and that you need to figure out how to do it. So figure out who the people are and what the resources are for you to pull that off. And uh, just do it. And it's not going to always be nice and it's not going to be pretty all the time. And it may take you a while to get it, but it's all about getting it. So um, I think I want that to be my last word for tonight. Oh, man. All right, I guess I'm going to go ahead and kick it off then. Um, Omar, you said something that was very interesting. It just gave me my last thought um, before you, you went into your last thoughts. Um, you, you said how um, isolation can kind of bring out the best of you, and um, it made me think that a lot of people um, don't really get that chance to know themselves, whether it's people that are in and out of relationships and, and um, or just always got to, you know, need a project to work on or, or something like that. And, um, you know, I'm going to say, you know, you can't run from yourself. I ain't never known nobody that can hide from themselves. So um, take that time to, to get to know yourself. And um, then once you get to know yourself, it will empower you because you, you won't be afraid to bet on yourself anymore. Um, when you truly know yourself, you'll, you'll know 
their capabilities and you'll understand the greatness that um, already lied within you, but you, you just couldn't step out of your own way enough to see it. So y'all take the time to get to know yourself and um, allow your greatness to, to come out. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to end on like <clears throat> really remembering that we all uh, in some form or fashion have one of the three qualities. Some, some of us are gifted to have two or three, but we're all operators, generators, and destroyers. Uh, oftentimes we, we employ the destroying part of ourselves too often, um, breaking down ourselves, breaking down things outside of ourselves and breaking down um, and, and really succumbing to the, the pressures of outside, you know, influences to just wear what we want to wear or be interested in these certain things that are very limiting and boxed in. So you limit the way that you are and who you are, um, and that becomes a conundrum to yourself. So uh, really just pushing yourself to, to find those generation, those ways you generate and, and operate things and, and putting those things into fruition that you've always wanted to be a part of. And as we've discussed, like, it's not going to be easy. It's not a pathway that um, – is, is going to be favored, but it's a pathway to yourself and a pathway through yourself. So um, as you engage with these things, like there's going to be things you want to destroy. Uh, and it may be really just these old ways of thinking about yourself and who you thought you were versus who you been behind closed doors or um, limit the way that you thought about yourself. So, and doing these things, go forward and operating and generating what your dreams really are. Word. And with that, um, thank y'all for joining us for another version of King Vision. Peace.